0: Hello and welcome to another episode of St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George, the Martin Kales River, alongside the chapuris of St. Mark and St. Monica. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during a time of continued crisis, and I'm joined as always by the rector of our parish, the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. How are you today, sir?
1: Good day to you, Lindsay. Um, very well. It was a, it's a good day. The wonderful weather we've had, and... Um, I've um, enjoyed a couple of moments um, with recycling today. We've um, we do lots of recycling here, all kinds of stuff. So I got the guys in, which I get in every second month or so, to tow away all the um, recycling. And uh, it's amazing what what wastage shows about your life, doesn't it? Mm. How much <laughs> you throw out, and you. Um, and uh, um, and I, I you know given that we are um, having to protect the world we live in, it feels good to just be able to do such a small thing, um, and to learn a little bit about how recycling goes, and those people that are working in the industry, you know those collecting stuff and uh, what it means to them. It was a good conversation with the guys that came today as built up a kind of relationship with him so that was good my wife and i are you know normally here when they come and pick stuff up so we get engaged in their conversations and so yeah it feels good to have um to have that experience today um as well i i i i said to her the reason why i needed she said i must tell you the reason why i've why i asked you to to do this podcast a little later on was because i had a desperate need To buy penny polonies today. (laughs) (laughs) My history catching up with me and um, I went and hunted for some penny polonies today. So that's why I'm late. But otherwise, very good through the grace of God. And I trust the same for you. Uh, Yes, uh, we
0: are also big on the recycling. We do um, capture all of our plastic bottles. Um, We have found, like, it, it is a international phenomenon after China banned all plastic recycling imports in 2016 um, and kind of through the cat amongst the economic pigeons for plastic recycling, um, that it's not such a profitable game anymore and it's becoming harder and harder to find places to send it. Uh, but so we just leave, we package it, and then we leave it on top of the bin on bin day and then... Some kind soul usually carries it off on a trolley. Um, I always okay. like to be kind to 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 the bin scratches, um, much to the chagrin of the people on the neighborhood WhatsApp group. Um, yeah, people are just trying to make a way, you know. And then, yeah. glass bottles. We're we looking for a reliable place. Actually, I must chat with you offline. But outside of that, things are going well. I'm I'm not a big fan of the wind, so. Uh yesterday, last night, and today
1: has not been the greatest weather for me. <laughs> oh yes. But you had some time in in, in in um in Sutherland last week? So Sunderland last week. So was it a good experience? Uh yes, it was uh-huh. a very good experience. Obviously,
0: um it was a weekend, it was a week after the snows, um, and there was absolutely nothing left except for badly rutted roads on the drive to one of the lookout spots that Overlooks like the Tanqua Karoo, but it was an absolutely fantastic uh, getaway for the family. Um, just reset uh, before a busy period um, starts again, and yeah, it's it's nice to get away to the quiet of the of the Karoo. We usually Wonderful. we usually glorify or romanticize like seaside getaways, but yeah, there's there's a lot of I I I'm fascinated by the depth. Um, and textures of of the inlands of this country. Oh, yeah, indeed, indeed. Yeah, we are on the 16th Sunday after Pentecost and very much within the season of creation. The theme for this week is ecology, protecting our common home. And then you found it wise to extract a Martin Luther quote, which I feel is, is, I feel attacked by that. Because I I don't know what to, to make of it. I'm I'm a big Martin Luther fan. Um, I appreciate what what he has done, his contributions He's, to to society. This is not Martin Luther King Jr. No, 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 no Martin Luther. Um, he oh. of the what 95 thesis.
1: Oh yes, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no, you're right. This was actually in the this was actually in the resource sent to us. Um. Uh, reflecting, I suppose, the fact that. We've often neglected to read creation as a as God's story to us as well. Mm. Um, I think that's what they what they wanted to bring out uh, in in this um, in this resource for our education. Mm. So, mm. Um, but yeah, he's a quotable person. Um, yeah, very well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I appreciate him because uh, as part of the Reformation, um, just shifting from publishing in Latin to then republishing, like his 95 Theses, in German and just the how it spread across Europe, just making knowledge more accessible um, was the way I interpret what these what central kind of, crusade was and 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 I really respect him for that
1: well I think you know it's amazing how in the, in all the generations that we that we know of in in, in history um, that, that which has been recorded uh, that which is still to be studied uh, where the church played a role uh, unfortunately it was closely associated to the Roman mm. Empire so mm. it 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 embolizes the, uh, the the um, the Roman structure, the the order of, of 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 that. And Martin not opposed to that, except that he was opposed to how it was it was being abused among people. Mm. Simply <clears throat> so that those at the top could have a sense of wealth, um, and 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 then they mistreated the way scriptures could be handled. And he was just quite interested to say, you know, all of these kind of funny ways you're wanting us to give money to you um, through indulgences and you guarantee us our sins are forgiven. And he says, no, we are saved by grace. This is all a ploy of clericalism to enrich the, 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 the hierarchy of the church. And yeah, we, we in constant need of Martin Luther's um, not just of the masculine kind, but of the feminine kind as well. We need critical thinkers who are able to listen to the rhetoric. We were talking about it earlier on, you know, um, the marketing of stuff and, and um we have these churches, uh, particularly from America, would advocate you. You, know, I need a million rand to do this, and I mean, they are so dead against the Roman Catholic Church, but they're doing exactly the same. Yeah, that the yeah. churches that the church was doing then. So we really need to listen. I mean, and again, here yeah, Martin Luther is a voice from the past, but a very critical voice in our current uh, situation. Maybe that is why we should be, be able to read history um more and more uh, in current days so that we can understand where we are from where we've come and you know um, we need people like Martin who didn't break away from the church but mm. who stood up for what was the important mm. truth in the church to protect the the, the the laity you know yeah yeah
0: no I have a lot of I have a lot of time for Martin Luther um, so yeah it's, it's a it, I was just reflecting as you were speaking now how the the cyclical nature of of like history and the importance of knowing the story, internalizing the story, being critical <coughs> of the history you read, and of being taught, so that we don't make the
1: same mistakes again. Absolutely, I think p- part of the thing is uh, uh, when we divorce ourselves from history, as I said, I was reading to you earlier on G, um, uh, Eugene Peterson's The Message, a paraphrase of scripture, and, and in here he is saying Genesis writers, the first five books, never wrote about God as an idea hmm. but i helped people to understand god in everyday events and actions we so the stories of people and so he says we must read these stories by reading ourselves into them Mm. when we can read ourselves into the stories of the past we then become part of the story and 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 then we can own the history whether Whatever bad happened or whatever good happened, we own that. We benefited from it. We learn from it. We grow from it. Um, and, of course, we continue to write history as, as part mm. of the human generation. And, um, and so we, we, we it's, it's really, but, but you see, let, let me for myself say I was introduced into the world in a time when colonialism was rife in the church and in the schools and apartheid was there. So the way history was taught to me was this was a white man's world. And I'm just lucky as a black man to be part of it. But then they told me, I am part of the history of God's grace and salvation in the world, but not to the extent that I can enjoy the creation of the world on an equal footing. I would always have to be, and I'm convinced about this that when I was in church in Claremont, which was a white designated area, we had to sit at the back of the church.
2: <laughs>
1: um, I could be wrong, but I have that sense that that was what what we what we, we what happened in the past in District Six where I grew up. We totally colored community. We never had that discrimination, but certainly I think so. So how, how then do I read myself into that history? Yet I find myself in that same church today. I'm very much engrossed in the church. I've become a leader in this church together with others, and I'm I'm part of my current generation writing the history of this church. We we're busy with Sunad coming up now. I've been part of the church for a long time. And now I'm part of the legislative body of the church where I'm even writing up motions and measures. Mm. And when I look back at what we've where we've come from, I'm very, very critical. I'm saying, why was my eyes not opened early on to see where these people were taking us to? But that wasn't how it was. Unfortunately, we were not allowed too much into the closed room. And when we stood up to it, we were silenced because either you were too young to speak, you never understood. God forbid that we do that to the generation following us.
0: Mm. Definitely. <laughs>
1: yeah. Luckily, my because career... They could take be part of you. tomorrow's history if they're not part of today's history. Indeed.
0: Um, I was reading a... On social media, someone said, um, (coughs) if you Google yourself and you're not in the top three mentions, um, you have some work to do. And luckily, my name and surname combination is unique enough, and I've done enough work in the media that I I do rank quite highly (laughs) when I Google myself. So, um, yeah, I've I've impacted history in some small, small way. That's part of the... The the allure of journalism to me is is that idea of you are the midwives to history. You are recording information as it's happening um, and referring back to information and finding facts and finding faults and pointing out these things. So, yeah, but that's a deep way to get into it. Um, it's only going to go deeper from now. <laughs> uh, if you could please call us together with a collective prayer and then I'll catch up with you with the liturgy.
1: Maybe I should start with an apology that Lindsay and I can get into the conversation very quickly. (laughs) And I hope that it doesn't bore you, but that you could uh, come aboard and talk with us as we try to worship God on this platform. So I greet you with these words the Lord God who helps us is with you. And um, as Lindsay had pointed out, it's the seasons of creation. And so our collect, which is written for. The theme of ecology, as we give thanks to God for the the earth as our home, we pray together. Jesus, redeemer of our common home and provider for all creation, teach us to value the habitats of all your creatures given into our care so that we can preserve the world in all of its diversity. Inspire us to value your precious gifts and never to take more than we can give. For you live and reign in the diversity of the blessed Trinity, creator, redeemer and sustainer. Amen. So one of the readings
0: comes from Proverbs chapter 1 verses 20 to 23. Wisdom cries out in the street. In the squares, she raises her voice. At the busiest corners, at the busiest corner, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Give heed to my reproof. I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make my words known to you. Yeah, so the first time I read this, I immediately thought about my growing. It's beyond frustration now. It's just sadness with the anti-vaxxer movement. Where it's like we've reached a point now where I can't even empathize because I'm a very empathetic person. I like to explore other people's perspectives and really go down to like the psychology of why they believe what they believe, like how they've been trained to believe that. But I'm I'm at the loss for words. Are you also losing patience with your fellow Christians and humans um, as they go on this crusade of
1: I I don't know? <laughs> I must say that it it is in the forefront of the conversation around um, the vaccine, the virus and the vaccine, which we cannot divorce from one another. Um, and that when one years of the protests, most of it is in the American context mm. that I read about. But our protests in South Africa is possible that it's much more silent in that people just don't go and particularly men, I haven't been in conversation with anybody that has opposed the virus, except that I did have a long talk with my sister about it, who felt at the time that um, viruses, sorry, vaccines need a longer period of research before it can be finalized and used.
2: Mm-hmm. and my
1: understanding was well vaccines have come along for a long time now so the basis of the of the knowledge of a vaccine in relation to viruses is there it's accumulated knowledge mm-hmm. we just have to research mm-hmm. what the new viruses are all about in order to accommodate and there's a common there's a common composition of these things uh, that makes it I suppose, more, more easier to get the, the product done than it would have been in years ago. Mm. Uh, but what fascinates me is that we have the scientific story of the development of the, the vaccine for this purpose. It's tested across the globe. Mm-hmm. But somebody with no knowledge of how science w- would work in this way um, suddenly pictures something in, ah, that vaccine must contain something that's going to make you a monster. Now, people, as you said earlier on in our conversation, it is those those things that should least be accepted in the mind that gets most in the mind, because that's where the fascination lays. Mm. So we get people to believe in the nonsense that people conjure up. Uh, As far as uh, in the Christian sphere, and this makes me very angry, where they use biblical texts to Mm. justify their position, when the biblical text knew nothing about this kind of virus and vaccine, how does it actually speak to this? It cannot speak to it directly it's got to speak to it as we search through the whole of scripture to understand how we respond to this and what we do know is that in the whole of scripture um i mean we we're living in a world that has viruses in yeah. uh, bacteria yeah. and all kinds of stuff so we're not a world that doesn't have these things in order for a balance to be kept these things are there so and of course, I suppose when they're exploited for the wrong reasons, they can do other mutations and that gets to it. But where these people can suddenly say the mark of the beast is going to get into you and all this kind of thing and, and, and use God to justify their positions really uh, de- defies wisdom. But I must say I have not encountered anybody who, who now is in protest against the violent vi- virus in in my mm-hmm. context, but it does sadden me that this is out there on the international platforms for debate, and people unfortunately are persuaded, and particularly part of the way that some of the church people think that um, faith faith doesn't make you stupid. Mm. But they project faith as if it is, you can just believe blindly and God will just believe your blindness. God wants, I mean, really, Paul said it. I do not want you to be ignorant. Mm -hmm. So why do Christians buy into being ignorant? Simply because a pastor opens up his mouth. Yeah. And tells you that he thinks this is not. I mean, somebody said it the other day that people who advocate for masks are demons. And she says she's a Christian. How dare you as a Christian demonize somebody? Mm -hmm. And where is the wisdom? And you know, yesterday or this morning, I was listening to a clip from a, boy in Tennessee who was at school speaking up for masks and at the point he came and said my granny who was a teacher died of COVID because those who were around her did not wear masks could have caused her this. Mm. got the backlash of parents who said um, oh we're standing for freedom that's why we're not using masks. We want our child to smile that's why we're not using masks. This boy's granny dies. Yeah. But he was so wise, he said, They didn't realize that I got an international platform to speak from now mm. and, and invited him. So, one listening to them, and, and again, here, yeah, that boy was like the that lady, the vo- voice of wisdom crying into the streets and the busiest corners of that uh, um, community where there were scoffers. Mm. And his way of Telling us the story, you cannot but listen to the depth of wisdom in it. When you listen to their rebuttals, it's empty. Mm. Those mm. that are advocating against taking the virus and against using the masks and social distancing and all of that, I have still got to hear a proper um, reasoning behind what they are saying. Mm.
0: Yeah, but oh. it's it's becoming like I've I, I've taken the route of trying to not engage in terms of debate because there's there's nothing to debate at this point. Because yeah. it, yeah. it's always you'll you'll notice when someone has some crackpot theories that they're spouting, they will always try and turn the burden of evidence on you.
1: Yes, yes,
0: so yes. you must now prove. and it's like, no, you are the contrarian in this situation. It's yes. like you have to bring your proof and evidence. and it, it's like i I, I fight those vegans often because <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> because it's just something I all I want from people is just to live their truth where it's like, yeah. Don't try and justify why you've yes. made a decision.
1: Yes. And yes. don't
0: try and get me wrapped up in your justification. You know, it's like, let's look at this from a at, a at a holistic view where it's like, are there farming practices that should be improved? Yes. Categorically across the board, anything that is farmed mm. can be done better. Um, there are examples of good farming practices everywhere. We should be growing all our plants, crops, vertically in hydro using hydroponics, um, because it's you waste less water. It's like a whole bunch of stuff. And at the end of the day, you're putting something into your body and it's nutrition science, and there are facts around that and not feelings, and everything that you get pushed back on is like, no, but the ethics of, it's like, I don't care about ethics. Ethics differ wildly between different cultures. You know, what's wrong to you is completely fine for someone sitting on the other side of the world. I'm in a different circumstance. And it's like knowing your privilege, knowing the extent of your privilege, being cognizant of that usually is the route to enlightenment, as I like to say, especially like now with the anti-vaxxers where it's like, You are only against it now because you are healthy. Um, And the moment you get it, the moment you get, and I hope you never do, it's not great. And I hope that when you get it, you actually get very mild symptoms um, and not have to be hospitalized, not have to wake up one morning and realize that you actually cannot breathe. And... (laughs) you might not make it to the hospital in time if you like don't go like that that's not a fun thing for anybody you know uh, but it it's like yeah we i i we, you are only so stick to use the colloquial term until you are faced with the actual situation you know
1: you know i think that is that is that is very important if 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 you are going to be faced with it am I not also indirectly faced with it? Mm. If I really care about you. Now, because there's such a selfishness in the world, to such an extent that we've even imaged God as, um, this is between me and my God. It's not between you and your God. It's not that personal that God excludes others from from the show. That if we really, really care, then maybe it will not visit me, but it has visited me because it's visited you. And therefore, I've got to show the necessary behavior that would be supportive, of you so that when I'm in my need, you're able to reciprocate that because that's what I'm going to need. But when you go out on a tangent claiming what these people are claiming, and they're not even sensitive when people mourn their loved ones who died Mm. and tell them to shut up, that's not the kind of community I would want to build the world with. When that kind of wisdom is lacking, when they're too dense to even pick up because they're so self-centered, and this false belief that faith will protect you from illnesses. As if your faith is so much more stronger than other people's faith that nothing will go wrong with you. I mean, really, maybe it won't go wrong with you. Maybe it won't go wrong with you, but be careful when something does go wrong with you. Mm. So, so there's a there's a great sense of self-centeredness. And I just like it. She says, I will pour out my thoughts to you and make my words known to you. In other words, what are in your thoughts and what are your words that will need me to give you words and thoughts? Because somehow your words and your thoughts are deeply lacking, mm. you know, and, and, and so the, and I mean, what I love about the passage to it just picked it up from some, uh, it's personified as a woman, mm. that voice, which is normally smothered under the patriarchism of our world speaks out, and she doesn't speak in the corridors of power. She speaks in the streets. Why? So that the powerless can be empowered. She speaks in the busiest corners where people are so distracted by the market. Mm -hmm. She speaks at the entrance of the city gates, people coming in and going out for business. And do not realize that they're just pawns of mega powers. Mm -hmm. If they would just stop and listen to a voice to empower the simple, the disempowered, the disenfranchised. And sometimes it's disappointing when they're not listening to wisdom. But it's a nice idea
0: of it being a callback to, I think it's something I said last week or the week before, where like, we need to have more frank conversations because that's where the wisdom I feel that is being spoke of here truly comes from it's by stepping out of your your selfishness and really listening to another person's yes. perspective. And 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 it's something I desperately try to do, especially when my views are in direct opposition to to, to somebody else's, is to to get a full understanding. Of what they are trying to say, what they are trying to communicate, why they feel that way. And it, it's kind of like a double edged sword living in the year 2021, uh, where we have, Western society has gone in this crusade to create the sense of faux inclusivity, where everybody can speak about their things. But we've developed. <laughs> within this context of overly protectiveness, where it's like we can't say things that are going to hurt people. Um, It's like that that idea of like a thought police, where it's like Mm. everything must be so politically correct, but Mm. you can't have a world where we are truly exploring each other's perspectives within a world that has to be so politically correct for lack of a better term um because then then you lose the ability to discern between a common truth and
1: everybody's own lies well you know as you're talking now, it just dawned on me, it's it's possible if we are able to find a collective text that will give rise to a conversation where different minds are around the table. A, a historical text, I mean, here for me, a scripture would be a very beautiful thing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but but stories from history, stories mm-hmm. that um, you know, I, I, would, I was standing in the, in the queue the other day at the chemist and they were con- cartoons on it. And I looked at the conto- cartoons and I saw this child's eyes light up as she saw the movements on, on screen. But I, my mind was full of critique because I was saying, I turned to the mother and said, does she watch a lot of this? So she said, yes, sometimes I said, well, When I look at it now and and I've read somewhere, these cartoons can actually promote violence far more than some of the adult stuff that we see in story form. And she she tended to agree with me. Now, there was Mm -hmm. a common text that we could speak into, that we could find. She's a mother with a child still watching cartoons. I'm a dad with older children now who no longer watch the cartoons, but here's something that is in our face, in a place that is for health purposes. (coughs) And the cartoons are probably, but how many stop to have a conversation about what we see collectively? Like for example, that Libertas um, six bottle can Libertas on Mm. that, that what's his name? Are there common texts we can gather around in our community and have conversations about them? It could be that um, the common text would be in your neighborhood around that bin where you have to put your your empty plastic bottles, and because the 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 guy who goes around looking for waste, and that conjures up a common conversation. But are, is everybody willing to stand? and learn from that context and listen to each other around a common text of the day, whatever it may be, do we just stop to to be with each other in that moment to capture each other's minds, to be excited by what each other says in disagreement and in agreement and to say, how then do we take this thing forward to build a better way instead of being on opposing sides and then ending up in warring one another? Mm It um, wouldn't it be healthier to have the conversation to 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 listen to what is different to the way I think about something I think about the world and what should happen, because in that moment, let's say around your bin where this man is carrying away this plastic. Your neighborhood comes around and says, Let's talk about it without fighting and just look at all the nuances that we Mm. can find that can just help us say, How does this improve this story, help us to improve who we are, our relationships, and this community that we're living in? But we don't have the time for that, do we, Lindsay? No, we don't. And we're always operating from our own.
0: Insular little worlds. And I think that's kind of the crux of what James is saying here in
1: uh, chapter 3, verses 5 to 6 and 8 to 10. But before you go to James, just to say, isn't it interesting that nobody gathers around wisdom when she starts speaking? Now you can tell me what James has said. (laughs) (coughs) James Saying,
0: so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. But no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father. And with it, we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. So this is <laughs> this is a a a difficult text because on the one hand, he's speaking about what we were saying, where it's you're speaking from a from a, from a selfish perspective only. and uh, where so, a, a great thought experiment I went through. I, I, I used to do this thing where every year I'd have a an overarching theme, but not really a, a resolution, just a promise to myself, to a commitment to stick to for the year, just as a thought experiment. So uh, sometimes it will be like, if I like something, I'll do it again. Um, but I'll try anything. I don't have to like it. And then one of it is... Always consider that you are you believe the wrong thing. So it's like in any conflict, always start off by thinking that you are wrong and then you can find the way to to, to truth. So like yeah, it's I think the characterizing of the tongue is in the in the mouths of of those who aren't trying to be empathetic to their fellow man too to those who are made on the likeness of God. Uh, th- th- that's, that's a difficult thing. For me. I, don't want to, I don't want to pour too much of my own perspective into this text. What does it say to you, Father?
1: I was just wondering, as you're talking, you know, um, does our tongue, I'm, I'm using tongue to use for imagination, the tongue is a small member, yet boasts great things. But can the tongue speak without the mind and the heart? and once the heart and the mind is in action and the mind is in action all the time um, you often hear the statement i better keep my tongue because mm. i've thought something that i wanted to say but i don't want to say it but is there sometimes when the tongue hears what the heart what the mind and the heart says and just babbles it out without uh, thinking of its of its consequences mm. i think I think we all are guilty of just saying what is on the heart and on the mind without having processed it to understand that there's possible that we're going to hurt somebody or we could be spewing poison or fuel on fire. Um, so in a way, does this call us to to think very deeply? To think about. I, I just wonder, do we actually stop to think about how does the members of our body work? The tongue is a little member, and yet boasts <laughs> of uh, there things. There, there there, there's, there's part of history where tongues were cut out. Mm. If lies <clears throat> were told based on law. Yeah. But that doesn't mean what evil thought you may have had and would have spoken is suddenly gone from your mind. Just because the tongue can't speak, the fingers can write what the tongue can't speak. So how in control are we? How full of wisdom are we to be able to know when to say, what to say, how to say? And whatever we say, will there be empathy behind it? Will there be an empathetic, um, reconciling heart? that no matter how harsh I may have to say, something challenging mm-hmm. I may have to say, um, I, I maybe can't say it in that way, but say it in a way that different. So the options to say it differently, uh, depending on the circumstances itself. Um, I think that a lot of this has to do with how we spend time listening and thinking. You know, mm-hmm. before, before we speak, really deeply listening and thinking. It's about the discipline of yourself. About the, um, because you don't want to be someone out there that has a negative way of being looked at. Um, somebody who's babbling is resisted and also rejected. Mm. Um, but yes, how much wars were stopped because something was said.
0: Well, I, have a, I have a slightly contrarian view. <laughs> it's, it's in line with... <laughs> so there's two things. Two things about my relationship with my wife, about my marriage that I will discuss here. One is I have this... It's not really an unwritten rule. It's not really a mutual agreement. But there's this, so Monique and I have said this before, we are very passive aggressive, both of us, um, which is not great um, in times of conflict. Um, But I have the rule that I live by where it's like, if you are not going to vocalize the thing, and I think I may have said this before, if you're not going to vocalize the issue, then you are choosing to remain quiet on it and you cannot expect the other person to have any guilt or any, because you're not communicating, you know? So if if you take it, if it's an issue and you are not communicating it, you must just live with it for the rest of your life and you cannot bring it up in future um, conflicts, like in future arguments, you can't bring
1: up all that stuff also. <laughs> and then the <laughs> but- other, Yeah. But that's too, that's too dogmatic because, <laughs> because is communication only with words?
2: Um,
1: when you
0: are, I am very oblivious to a lot of things. And I act in a way that I believe is best for Everybody. And I am oblivious to when that is not the case. And I can only be enlightened if you
1: tell me. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. So, for example, if I, if I am in a conversation, uh, since you dare to bring up your wife and you and your marriage, so I'm going to dare to do the same. Yeah. Um, I'm, I married a, a, a teacher mm-hmm. by profession. By personality, I married an introvert. At some point point in my life, my introvert nature was more apparent than me being more extroverted as I am these days. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm not introverted, just that these days I probably would be seen as more of an extrovert. Excuse me for my cough. So when I say something to my wife that I'm expecting some kind of verbal response from, she often chooses not to say anything. Okay. Okay. then I would use techniques to try and get her to say something or I will say to her something like, so does your silence mean you haven't thought about this before? Does it mean you don't think it's important enough to talk about? Does it mean that um, you need some time to reflect on deeply? And I eat too much of bahari. Now I'm, I'm I'm obviously I'm not as smart as that to do all that that all the time. But that's what I would also hope would be apparent that when I when I'm engaged by a a non-verbal language response, I need to engage that. Um, because, because people have, ra- have radicalized this and says silence means consent. That's absolutely nonsense.
0: Yeah, that is nonsense. We haven't
1: tested the silence yet. Silence just means maybe you that have got a verbalitis mm-hmm. must think and stop. Why is there silence in the room? Why are some choosing not to engage? I, I have that also in parish council, where there are people who could verbalize things quite easily, and there are those who choose not to speak. Mm. Just because there's many of them that choose not to speak doesn't mean that their silence doesn't bring value to the meeting. I think their silence probably is far more profound than sometimes our ver- my verbalization about things, because it may- it must make me stop to think, why are these people hesitating? to say things. So, but they are here, uh, they are here, they, they, their presence says something.
0: So the other, the other thing I was going to raise was I, (laughs) this is dangerous. (laughs) I consider myself to be incapable. Of having like an extramarital affair. Because praise the Lord, I cannot. I'm an open the way I am to you, the way I open up on this podcast. I speak to everybody like this. I share personal parts of my life. I believe that I need to be as transparent as possible because I am not smart enough (laughs) to keep up with all of the lies that I would have to if I didn't live that way. Yeah, so it's like i'm gonna forget that i told you that i was doing something else and it's it's gonna i'm going to mess that up so i just don't do it <laughs> i just try yeah. and live as openly and i found in my short life that especially in situations like a parish council or like those sorts of organizational meetings and stuff if there isn't a culture of transparency and openness and everybody doesn't feel empowered within the group, they will be less likely to verbalize. I I will say it a million times. Um, if you are passionate about something, if you are truly, this maybe just is my life experience, but if you are truly passionate about something like your work, your whatever, a project you are busy on, you feel enlivened by it, I don't believe that you would be able to not voice your opinion.
1: (laughs) Sure. So what I have learned to do in terms of meeting strategy is to, at the end of the meeting, go around to each individual person and ask them if they have anything that they'd like to add to the meeting. Hmm. And sometimes at that point, you find the person who perhaps has not spoken earlier on Would actually say something. And so I go around the room. And so I'm believing that using that technique, I'm empowering people to speak, to let their voices to be heard. Because sometimes people have this where where I I'm not confident to speak publicly because I don't know how I sound or I don't like the way I sound coming. And, you know, people always making an apologies for excuse me for saying it in this way and all that kind of things. Yeah. So, yes, yeah. it is an, an in person and it's it's a it's a personal thing on the inside battles. People have to go through. But, you know, presence speaks louder than words. Presence is about that commitment. Now we're going to have to help each other to take the next step and say, yes, we also need you to tell us your thoughts about a particular matter. But we don't know what people have to process to do in order to get there. So we have to validate one another's presence, uh, one another's commitment. I mean, people don't want to be involved on structures because it's, it's making them too vulnerable. Mm. You know? Um, And yet, it is through vulnerability that we are able to grow. It's through sharing our thoughts in its broken ways that we are able to find that people actually listen. Mm. Um, But we also are afraid to listen to ourselves. So the question now goes deeper for me. That tongue that's a little member that exploits many things. Is the mind and the heart under the lordship of Jesus enough to be able to listen to the wisdom of God who helps me to think in my special way about life? And to, to talk in my special way, given the various and experience I've had, are we in, in silent conversation with God enough to listen more broadly? Because look, when I listen to myself, only that's very narrow. I need to listen in a context that's broader, that includes God and the world. And and then to be able to say how do I fit in and what is my contribution here, but there's so much things people have to go through on the inner side, in my view, um, Lindsay, to be able to 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 have the courage to say things no matter how broken it may sound to them. So those of us that are able to do to do that doesn't mean we are the we are the tough guys. What we do need to say is that we must help each other. We need to develop leadership skills to be able to help empower the other person to, 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 to speak publicly. I think everybody should have a public voice. Mm. But, and there's various platforms for that public voice to be on. But it must be an informed public voice. And we speaking from the premises of the church now. Lots of our critique is about what the tongue has said and how the tongue has relayed it to the pen of the writer to the keyboard of the typist and to the publication of the book or the article Mm. um i was fascinated when i was speaking the other day at saint mark's and the eucharistic service on wednesday why people are able to tap into the way a story is told by a journalist in the Sorn and what type of stories are dealt with there then let's say, a different kind of newspaper with a different perspective that is trying to inform us of issues of the world um, and who neglect those on-the-ground stories of the people who also need a platform to speak, but how are the stories told? I'm listening to TikTok because my daughters are bombarding me with TikTok. Um, where the colored culture, in a way, if I can, I'm probably yeah. the wrong um are being broadcast in a way and I've listened to some of it and I can actually hear very deep wisdom coming from some of this, the way this that particular stories are being told.
2: Mm. It's
1: a mm. new, it's actually a new way of communication.
0: Yeah, oh, it's a fascinating <laughs> thing. Although um, um, I'm, I'm,
1: I hope I'm not going to use TikTok in my sermons. But <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I must tell you, though. Um, all, all all, of the social media platforms are equally bad at, at this, but TikTok has just taken it to another level where those algorithms are designed to keep you engaged. And the way they hijack your attention, the way the software can find the fastest route to your full engagement is, it's scary. And I don't want to expose my children to that. I know it's like a big part of of of, of the popular culture right now. It's an important communications tool. Um, there's some very creative content that is being created on that platform, but I don't like the way that it hijacks our brains
1: i think i think important in this in what you're saying now is therefore um are we looking for wisdom to speak to us or are we just looking for tongues that exploit people are just looking for entertainment nowadays
0: we've been we've been led down this path where entertainment is above everything else and so where
1: tongues exploit then
0: Yeah, it's been it's been weaponized. Entertainment has been weaponized Um, and and, and it's a sad thing. But uh, what I was saying was like, I, I believe it's important for us to foster a community where all points of view are welcomed, where no one can feel like they're going to sound stupid. Because yes. I think, like going back to the anti-vaxxer thing, the quickest way to get someone's back up is to insinuate that they are being stupid. So, like these anti-vaxxers are people like you and I. They we just believe different things, and it's it's the same thing where it's like with Christianity, with different faiths, with veganism, with every any belief that you could possibly have. It, the the person who has a contrary belief to you has the same freedoms to hold that belief that you believe that you have to hold your belief. And yeah, from a, we were speaking earlier about my my admiration for lawyers and rappers, where it's like lawyers will argue any side they are paid to.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: There's honor in that. I mean, taking language and manipulating it, bending it to your wall is, is, is a is a fantastic power. But I'm just going to lead briefly into the, the gospel, which is according to Mark, verses 27 to uh, chapter 8, verses 27 to 38, where Jesus intentionally closes off his community, tries to entrench his cult of personality, tries to take everyone on this journey of <laughs> Where he's like inquiring, what do the people say who I am? And then the apostles are like, John the Baptist and others, Elijah and still others, one of the prophets. And then he asked him, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. And then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. So problematic because this is the way an abuser will speak to you. It's our little secret, you can't share it with anybody. This is psychological warfare. <laughs>
2: Over to you.
1: Yeah, I, I, I dare say that it answers the question. Who do people say I am from your perspective? Hmm. Why was Jesus interested to know the answer to that question? And why at this critical point in the story that Mark tells us, Does he seek to find out what people are saying about him? And when you can, whatever you say about Jesus and you've identified him thus, what would your connection be with him? Will you be an antagonist? Will you be a protagonist? Will you Walk alongside in the next part of the journey to the cross, constantly defining, redefining a man that has made a mark in history. What do you do? He came to touch human lives and spoke hope to them. And if they could just have been empowered enough to say who they thought he was, then that would have helped them along the journey to understand the next part. Because he's going to the cross to die now. Does that mean everything about what he said comes to nothing? If it ends in death? Would they have understood that everything that he introduced, spoke, shared, Dead was meant to go to the cross for its culmination. Now, who do they say I am is based also in history? Because oh, were there similar people that people know of in their current world or beyond? Well, the answer comes to us. John the Baptist was the closest one they could come to. Others Uh, Elijah's name was mentioned, and then of the other prophets that they knew. So obviously, Jesus was associated with, for want of a better word, biblical figures whose, whose role was to help, like Martin Luther, to speak into the context to set people free from the empire. If I dare to say it like that. And then Jesus goes on to say. And who do you say?" So he comes back more home. And here they seem to have understood. He is the anointed one of God. The word Messiah means. Now why does he sternly order them. Not to tell anybody that moment. You in your way of interpreting. Interpreted this text would say that's just a literary um, technique. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The technique that is understood is to be the messianic secret, is what is called in theological uh, understanding. Um, In the one sense, do they know enough to be able to talk about it publicly? Because if you say, well, Jesus is the Messiah, People will engage you and say, what do you mean by that? And why do you say that? And am I able to say that enough with enough meaning and understanding and, and, um, you know, a personal faith? So that's the one level of thought, Uh, because you see the ultimate way in which he would be understood as the anointed one was through his death and resurrection, not just through his Mm -hmm. words and ministry. It's all a full package. The second part would be, if you bloat this out now, people may get the wrong idea and flock to me. And the time has not yet come for me to be revealed in this way. So here is obviously a divine movement going on. But Jesus could not stop people from talking about him. We've, we, we read that in the previous um, gospel reading when he asked the lady to not talk about him whose child was healed. He told the the blind and the the, the man who was deaf and uh, and dumb not to speak about him. And people spoke about him. Mm -hmm. Um, Last week's gospel started. He came into the city not wanting to be noticed, but he was noticed. So the messianic secret was, you know, will they understand when the full revelation of what that meant? And that was only to happen at the cross. And now it's interesting that Mark says after asking them the question, he now begins to teach them the meaning. So uh, as those who follow him as students of Jesus, are they able to have listened to him in order to be empowered by him through the methodology of teaching and then be able to explain this to people when they will have Mm. to talk about it publicly? as his witnesses. And so what he talks about in teaching them about the Messiah, he says, not the wonderful things about victory, he says, undergo great suffering, Mm. (laughs) rejected by elders. That's the path I've got to walk before victory becomes a reality. And that's the path I'm willing to walk. Um, And of course, people would not understand this. So this is perhaps one of the most favorite parts of the Bible for me ever since I studied it in the way I did at seminary. Because verse 27 of chapter 18, Mark's gospel, is the turning point of the gospel. All of Jesus' ministry happened around the Sea of Galilee. Mm. Now it's on the way to Jerusalem, to Calvary. Mm. So this was a critical point. He introduces himself through his work of teaching and healings and all of that. Now on the way to the cross, he asks, having having seen and done all of that, who do do you think I really am? Who do you say that I really am? How have I revealed myself and what have you understood about that? And um, but of course, Mark Mark tells us, as Peter told Mark, teaching was needed. You couldn't go out there. I mean, you couldn't be speaking about any topic in your journalistic work if you didn't have enough evidence to speak about it. Mm. You may have a question, but the question must be explored. Mm. Now, one of the most important questions in the world is not what, but who. Yes. Because the world is about identity. Yeah, I get that. Uh, so I'm I'm with you <laughs> with, with
0: the old explanation of um, it. It's more it's it's something that I try to teach my children. It's something that I try to get across when I'm in in religious debates with wild, like uh, 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 aggressively faithful people. <laughs> where it's like shouting at me and. Trying to convince me of your belief is not a. It, it, it's not a good way to make the argument. It it speaks of an immaturity in your own relationship to your faith or your relationship yeah. with Jesus.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Um.
0: What wh- what I was alluding to here is like this is is dangerous language because this. Uh, the techniques that Jesus is using here has been weaponized um, by other people and gets weaponized quite often. Um, it it It's it's a way of creating uh, us and them kind of dynamic where it's a, a cult of personality. Once people have bought into that cult of personality to then suppress their vocalization of it, and then explaining how the world is going to perceive you so that they are now knowledgeable of the journey and will be more susceptible to empathy to your situation, sympathy, more likely, to your situation when you are going through the persecution. So it's like getting people on your side and then convincing them that, it's a secret, it's it's a, you're making it, you're getting their buy-in on like a deep psychological, it's like, it's an intimate relationship now that your suffering is a, and them allowing you to go
1: through your suffering and, and the but persecution. But look at the enemies, look at his enemies. Yes. <laughs> Do you think any of those people who want to go against the eldest chief priests and scribes? yeah I'm, I'm just i'm just highlighting do you, do, you, do you think that they would want to go against those people because they weren't ready to go against those people yeah uh, but neither were the children of waco <laughs> you know? yeah no certainly that that's but you see if jesus was forming a cultic figure as you argue then why did he stand alone on the cross
0: this is true he did he did follow it through he did follow it through <laughs> Um, he wasn't a coward. Like I mean, you, you you'll see Hitler would have used this stick, this very technique, um, all of those dictators who need you to buy into that personal message. so i'm 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 just saying, be weary <laughs> <laughs> when someone is trying to tell you to keep your relationship with them a secret, <laughs> because.
1: It, it, Everybody isn't gonna be Jesus, you know. <laughs> no, sure, I agree with you. I agree with you, but but I think it's important to highlight that. I think it's important that, but it's also important to highlight why Jesus, why Jesus was, why it was said. You know, don't talk about this because there's so much more that still needs to be known mm-hmm. before you can talk about it. And uh, in terms of your point, <clears throat> a cultic figure is coward enough to say. We will die together, but never dies with the people. Yes. <clears throat> Mr. Mr. Trump said. I'm going to be with you. At the Capitol. Yeah, but he was watching it on television. Now, Jesus says, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. I'm taking you mm-hmm. with me to do that because I have to do that for you. You can't. You mm-hmm. can't do it. The way you will participate is going to be different. To this time so we need to therefore read the whole story yeah as far yeah. as the story can be told and um, as i said this is one of the profound parts of the scriptural of this of the narrative for me because now it begins it's fun to go around with him when he's doing all the the things and talking all the stuff that he's talking but when he says i have to now go to the cross i'm now going to face suffering That was an option for people to say, I'm no longer going to walk with you. Mm.
2: Mm.
1: He was giving them the option. If you determine who I am and want to continue following me. You have an option also to say, I don't want to follow you anymore. Yeah. And John's gospel picks that up when Jesus said. Um, I'm, my flesh is food indeed and my wine is drink indeed and they said no we can't go with such a statement and many of his disciples left him Jesus turned to the twelve and said what about you and Peter says you're the Messiah you, who else can we go to because you have the word of life mm-hmm. so if we juxtapose those things we can begin to see Jesus was not a cultic figure who was leading people to follow his cause and then he would flee at the end of the day while they would die. Mm -hmm. No, he was the one willing to die. And so, um, but I can understand why that question would create another way of reflecting on it. Why keep it a secret if it's meant to be told to the world? Yes, it's meant to be told to the world. But when was it meant to be said? Mm. You know? and, um, and, and one of the things about it, this text challenges us to say, to constantly ask that question in any given day. Um, the, gospel, the, the, the writings of this guy said, um, he says, when Genesis, when, when Genesis was written, it says, First, God. God is the subject of life. God is foundational for living. We must have the sense of the primacy of God. He's, he is at the, at center and circumference. So, so that question of who do you say I am is. Let's take us back to the to the to rhetoric around the vaccine and the anti-vaccine. People are using Jesus in that debate to say, I believe in Jesus and therefore I believe I mustn't wear a mask because because he's going to protect me from this. Is that really who Jesus is? The one who protects you from the vaccine because you stupidly don't want to wear a mask? I mean, from from the virus because you don't want to take the vaccine. Um, That question, who do you say I am, is so critical. When we listen to people's personal rhetoric or personal expression of faith, we really do wonder if they're talking about Jesus of the Bible. But they're using Mm. Jesus as a personal idol to to, to tell us their, their, their beliefs. So... So that is why when one says, "Don't speak about this too quickly," because people get the wrong idea and they speak the nonsense out there that they do. They not, they're not willing. To, Jesus taught them. They need we need to be educated in the faith in order to talk mm-hmm. about the faith. So so again we go back there when wisdoms. Where was Jesus? He was on the streets like wisdom. He was at the city gate like wisdom. Mm. He was speaking to the disempowered of his day. He, He wasn't saying, who do people in corridors of power say I am? He's saying, who do the people say I am? Those on the ground. Because it's going to matter to them. Those who are sitting in power, they want to silence me. But who do the populace say that I am? And I'm saying to the populace on the ground, don't talk about me too quickly unless you begin to know
0: who I am. Mm. Yeah, I I think I will leave it at that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, just just be just be just be wary of people who who use that and, and weaponize that that kind of sentiment. It, uh, and especially
1: it, especially guy people who are sex offenders of children.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Specifically. And yeah, if you could please uh, extract a few brief reflections from the praise of the church. Thank you. This has been another fruitful, refreshing conversation.
1: Thanks, Lindsay. The prayers uh, go around the 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 God has created God for the seasons of creation. And here we are praying that. God may forgive us for abusing the gifts that is given, the gifts of freedom and responsibility. Um, God may help us to look at the resources of the earth and respect it so that all can share in it. That is our prayer, that God would help us to treat the earth as sacred and help us to shape ourselves within the warmth of every day. And every time we allow new wisdom to guide us and help us to grow. And the God would give us wisdom to. To do things that would improve the Earth's well-being such as. Let us be prayerfully busy with recycling. Caring for the ground and growing things. And then we pray for the church. Especially in this time. As it struggles to. Gather people. As it struggles to. Maintain and sustain its structures. And its ministries. That we may not lose hope. But we continue to reflect seriously on the question of jesus who do you say i am as we that god you may fill us with the wisdom that only you can give us wisdom that comes with uh, new thoughts and new words as we think of the poor in our midst that we may neither ignore nor rationalize the way they're suffering but extend our hearts and hands to assist them and we pray for the over 300 people in rotterdam and over 715 west bank that our church feeds on a weekly basis for the many others who need help we thank god for counselor des and for the work that she does in this community other counselors in in west bank and, and and in poorer areas And then we pray for those who continue to experience abuse, discrimination, and hatred. God will heal their pain and renew their spirits. We think of the debate, Lord, of those who think that vaccine is not necessary, masking is not necessary, and yet COVID continues to infect people, COVID continues to cause deaths. Please take away our selfish wills, give us hearts of empathy and understanding, enable us to be responsible in caring for each other as we care for ourselves. We ask God's blessings on all who celebrate birthdays and weddings this week. God may fill them with his love and with his presence. That God will continue to help us protect our constitution and our democracy. And especially when leaders who have furthered corruption in our country, leaders who are struggling to bring things together, we pray especially for our president. And for other leaders. And so, in conclusion, the words that we send you out with comes from the Mother's Union Prayer, as well as from the Samoan USPG, uh, the benediction. As you go out thinking very deeply about that question, Jesus asks, who do you say I am? As we think of the wisdom we need to deeply understand that for our faith. As we recognize that our tongues can't just speak
2: exploitively about him. But it needs
1: discipline. So we send you out. All this day, O Lord, let me touch as many lives as possible for you. And every life I touch, may you by your spirit quicken, whether through the word I speak, the breath I breathe or the life I live. So, brothers and sisters, walk with love and care on God's earth. Walk with vital awareness of God's comprehensive vision and purpose for creation. Walk with awe and gratitude to ensure justice to the trees and rivers as well as the person next to you. And they, they are not without purpose in God's vision. So go in peace with courage to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you once again for tuning in and thanks to Lindsay for sharing with us. And again, we invite you to come and be part of this conversation if you are able to.